So this morning, what I want to share um, is a bit like a patchwork quilt. These are little bits that, for whatever reason, have stuck with me this week, have really been going around in my heart. And they seem to make a, a whole together that I really appreciate. So even if this sounds a little bit random, <laughs> just think of it as a patchwork quilt. And this is my offering for the morning. So the first piece, uh, I heard this a little while ago, and I honestly cannot remember where I heard it. Um, but one piece of it came back to me this week that I really, I just love. Uh, this was about a research study looking at our natural inclination to feel good when we feel useful or when we feel purposeful or when we feel like we have meaning or efficacy in the world. Um, um, the, re the researchers that they were interviewing uh, named several ways that they studied this. But the one that I remember and the one that stuck with me was about babies. Uh, so when babies are first born, they don't actually have a sense of self and other. Uh, it's just all one big um, conglomerate whole uh, without any particular boundaries. And then fairly young, I can't remember exactly what age they said, but somewhere like two to three months, um, they, the babies start by accident finding out about self and other. And the way this typically happens is, you know, they're, they're just naturally curious and finding out about movement and doing all these things. So the arm is moving this way and that way. Eventually it knocks something and that something moves. And then inevitably there's this moment, kind of like a Heller Keller moment, <laughs> Helen Keller moment, where the baby suddenly gets that they can move their arm and affect change in their world by moving that other thing. So what the researchers were looking at is that moment of understanding that the baby had can affect change in their world. What is the emotional affect? What's the emotional impact of that discovery of being able to have efficacy? And across the board, joy. It feels good to know that we had this possibility of being able to affect things. The babies always smiled or laughed or giggled. Um, and then they would hone in on it and like really explore um, this possibility um, um, that they were uncovering. This is very much like mindfulness. There is like this natural joy that we begin to uncover with mindfulness that we start to learn that we can affect things in our lives. That never means that we can make life happen the way we want it to, but it means that we start to understand that we can impact what kind of experience we have with whatever it is that does happen in life. And it's called self-efficacy. And knowing that we have that possibility within us, that feels good. And that's like a really good thing to know that we have that capacity. 
I actually, I had an example of it for myself this week. Um, um, I think all of y'all know that uh, about a year and a half ago, I had breast cancer uh, and fairly straightforward, um, highly treatable form of it. So the idea of a reoccurrence is very low. But this week I found a new lump under my arm on the side that I had the cancer. So immediately <laughs> my mind goes to, huh, single mom. Yes, my children are now young adults, but they still very much need me and possibility of metastatic breast cancer. So it like opened up this whole can of worms that's like, ooh, I could go down a big rabbit hole here. And it was really nice to know that during that time that I had to get it um, evaluated and worked up, it's a bridge of scar tissue, I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> not, not cancer, a new ridge of scar tissue. Um, but there was that, that workup period that I didn't, I didn't know. It was really good to know that I could be with the emotions that were arising without needing to proliferate any kind of worry, stress story. I might have a rabbit hole. I could have like lost myself down. That's a sense of self-efficacy that I actually can find my feet. I can feel these waves, but I don't have to turn it into something um, um, and be there. So that was really nice. And the other thing that came up for me that also is around this idea of self-efficacy was a trust and a faith that I really appreciate. Um, that I've had enough experience now that I know I can get pretty darn knocked off my center and I find my way back. So there was like a sense of knowing that even if it did turn out to be metastatic breast cancer, I knew I would find my footing with that. In a worst case scenario, it didn't have to like, like, like build this whole story about it. It was just knowing that worst case scenario, I can meet this too. That's a really helpful thing to know. And that's what bit by bit by bit this practice really allows us an understanding that we can affect the way our experiences unfold for us. So the second bit um, that fits perfectly with this, I uh, don't randomly came across a blog post looking for something totally different, but came across this blog post by, written by a woman named Jody Green from Sa um, San Francisco Zen Center about life in the pandemic. Um, and I loved one part of it so much that actually I printed it out and I have it on my desk. I have it sitting here for me to be able to um, come back and read, which I have multiple times. Um, so I just want to share what she says. A beloved Zen Cohen insists, every day is a good day. I worry that that aphorism rings somewhere between outrageous and obscene in a time of so much suffering and loss. And yet it has been in my head a lot these days a quiet pulse of words within the silence. The teaching does not mean that every day is happy, easy, or pleasing to my personal preferences. 
It means, as I understand it, that I am willing to be intimate with the circumstances arising right now, no matter how difficult or perilous, no matter how constrained. When I am willing not to turn away or try to escape, at that moment, I begin to live my life. Wishing that this day were another or a better day is tantamount to wishing my life away. It is a way of refusing to take care of the life I have, which seems like a terrible response in a time when so many are dying. Every day is a good day because this is the only day I have. And because having a day, no matter how grief-stricken, terror-filled, or dragon-faced, is a gift even in the midst of a pandemic. So knowing how to feel the goodness of a day, even on a day that I may have found a significant lump um, um, under my arm, that for me is when I learn about the sacredness of life, of being alive. And I love this koan, every day is a good day. It points us to a possibility of tapping into something that is always larger, always bigger than the particular circumstance that can be tremendously painful that we find ourselves in. That there is something that's still larger, still bigger than that that can hold it. And to me, that's, that's totally beyond the logic and the rational mind. And to me, that's kind of what the definition of sacred is. It's when we touch into a knowing of beauty, a knowing of a wholeness that is beyond any kind of rational understanding or logic, that we just taste it anyway. So the third bit that I wanna share really speaks right to that. Um, this is a quote from Joanna Macy. I don't know how many of y'all are familiar with her and her work. Um, if you don't know her, I think she's like in her 90s now. Um, she's way up there. Um, started first studying her in college. Um, she's a, a very powerful environmental activist and I would say um, kind of the grandmother of the deep ecology, ecology movement in our country. Um, and she speaks directly to this. Here's what she says. And actually, let me just put this in the context. She is someone intimately in tune with the environmental crisis of our world. And somebody who speaks so powerfully to that and knows how to hold on to that larger wholeness. That's an amazing combo, um, and one of the reasons that I think her work has been so powerful. So here's what she says. To be alive in this beautiful self-organizing universe, to participate in the dance of life with senses to perceive it, lungs that breathe it, organs that draw nourishment from it, is a wonder beyond words. 
So for me, that's kind of the center design of this, this quilt, the light that holds it all together. Um, I also have that quote sitting on my piece of paper on my desk. If you find something that is useful for you, um, put it in some place that you can be reminded regularly of it and have it as a touchstone to come back to. So the last bit that I want to share might feel like it doesn't quite match at first. Um, so I think of this as the beauty of a patchwork quilt. There are those odd bits in it that add, um, that are what make it really interesting. So this is the poem I shared in the meditation from Kabir. He was a 15th century Indian poet. All of his poems are relatively blunt. <laughs> Um, um, and says what he needs to say. I will say I heard this poem for the first time in 2002 at my first MBSR training, uh, and I've kept it with me all of these years, and I have never once said it out loud until this week. I have never once shared it in a group. I've never, you know, it's never quite pulled me in, but I've never wanted to like take it out of my poetry collection. So, you know, my eyes go past it all this time, but that's what they do, they go past it. This week I did the first, for the first time in ever in all these years, 18 years, I went looking for this poem. I knew I needed this poem this week. And that's to say that kind of sometimes you know, all of this named goodness and sacredness and beauty and joy, you know, isn't it nice? But sometimes we just get distracted and we're going down the rabbit hole anyway. Traveling down that rabbit hole myself this week, uh, going to a place had nothing to do with lump or any of that. It was just stupid stuff. Um, and it was in a way that, that, that didn't actually feel good. I remembered this poem and I went and I pulled it out. It had a whole new meaning. So I just want to offer it as the odd bit for the quilt. I said to the wanting creature inside of me, <laughs> isn't that a great first line? I said to the wanting creature inside me, what is this river you want to cross? There are no travelers on the river road and no road. Do you see anyone on that bank or nesting? There is no river at all and no boat and no boatman. There's no tow rope either and no one to pull it. There's no ground, no sky, no time, no bank, no ford. There is no body and no mind. Do you believe there is some place that will make the soul less thirsty? In that great absence, you will find nothing. And doesn't that say what it's like? That wanting creature that is just yearning for that way that we can imagine that we can fix it if we can just get our hands on whatever it is. But there's nothing there. It doesn't work. There's nothing there. So instead, be strong then and enter into your own body. 
there you have a solid place for your feet. Think about it carefully. Don't go off somewhere else. Kabir says this, just throw away all thoughts of imaginary things and stand firm in that which you are. Sometimes I need somebody who can just say it to my face like I really need to hear it. <laughs> this poem kind of does that for me in a very useful way. And that stand firm in our body. Stand firm in that which we are. Brings me all the way back to the baby who finds joy in the possibility of noticing impact, efficacy in their world. We can affect our world too. When we throw away all those imaginary thoughts of wanting things to be the way we want them to be instead of the way they are. And instead we learn to stand in this body, breathe this breath, open these eyes, this heart and this mind, then we actually have the possibility of knowing that today, no matter what it looks like, is a good day. Just for the sacred aliveness of being here now. So let's pause for a minute. And just notice whatever's present for you. What kind of attitude or quality or internal orientation would you need for today to be a good day? Just as it is. Thank you.